Happy anniversary. We are about to dive headfirst into our second part of our Weezer trilogy, Weezer the Bad. Everybody and welcome once again to Decomposition Podcast, where we hyperanalyze all of your favorite terrible songs. My name is Brad, and with me, as always, is my co-host Katie. Katie, how are you doing tonight? Just about the same as I was doing in the last episode. Just about the same. <laughs> that is a strong, strong, start. strong start. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so last time we brought you part one of our one-year anniversary Weezer trilogy, Weezer the Good, and we got through all of the wonderful songs that we wanted to talk about. Maybe not all of them, but no, some of the them. The Good Life, El Scorcho, The Sweater Song. It was good times. So joining us once again for part two, Weezer the Bad, are our friends, Decomposition All-Stars, Teresa, Teresa, hello again. Hi. And of course, Josh. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for this episode, we are going to be getting into the bad stuff, huh. but really not the really bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're saving that. We are a mediocre Weezer territory Right, we're going to save here. the worst for last. The worst is coming for last. I don't know. Do I really need to do any further of an introduction? I don't know that I no, do. No, we're going like, to do the same thing we did last time. The we'll Weezer songs. Take turns. The Weezer songs where they started to kind of slip off. The edge of the cliff. Yeah. And so, Teresa, tell me as a strong Weezer oh. fan, how do you feel about that as a subject matter? I, I am so sad right now. I mean, there are so... You're only going to get sadder. I know. I feel better about this episode than the future episode to come. Um, because I think in every band, there are some that you like and some that you're not so into. So that's how I took this as like, I'm just not really into this song. Weezer has such a huge songbook yeah. at this point with yeah. with so many singles that they have put out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and so for this one we are not going to just choose any old weezer song that is m- mediocre because mm-hmm. you could really do that for anybody mm-hmm. sure you know mm-hmm. any any artist how no matter how much you like them has songs that are fine at best so we really need to get into the stuff that starts to just kind of tilt into what the hell were they doing? Right, and also kind of territory. Unlike the good episode where we could pick any Weezer song from any album, regardless of whether or not it was, you know, a commercial hit. Um, for this one, we had to pick songs that were singles. So yeah. songs that were commercial hits that are objectively, I'll say flawed for the sake of Teresa, yeah. but for everybody else, I'm going to say these are bad songs. Not the worst of the Weezer catalog. <laughs> but they're not good. Yeah. I, I like it. I'll say flawed for Teresa. the bad from the, the ugly? Well, uh, the ugly or the really bad, as we are going to call it, is somewhere like not as bad as other works of theirs. The problem is, like, as we discussed in the last episode, there are so many songs that we love, and I was saying I want to like Weezer. Yeah. But there are songs that I find problematic, though I still want to like them. Yeah. Does I don't that know make if sense? I, well, I don't know if that's the song I picked. Well, well, we're just going to go with it. We're going to just, just gonna, figure it this out. This is middle of the road Weezer single. I simply picked a song that I didn't dislike as much as I dislike some other songs. Okay. I I picked a song that I would skip over. If I heard, if it came on the radio, I'd be like, meh. 
I picked a song that turn us turn the channel. At first, I was like, "All right, this is this is a pretty good song." And then the more I listened to it, the more I hated it. <laughs> okay, and Josh, what, how did you pick your song? As I stated before, my feelings on Weezer are complicated. <laughs> I think my song choice illustrates that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, should so, we start with Josh this time? Let's start with Josh this time. All right. Josh, with your complicated relationship with Weezer. So yeah. So just as, as a reminder from from last episode, yeah, I, I I've come to the conclusion that I really like Weezer music. Right. I don't really like Weezer. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with just idiosyncrasies about performance and kind of weird things that they like to throw in and choices that I don't agree with. Um, so my bad Weezer song uh, is from the 1996 album Pinkerton. It's El Scorcho. <laughs> oh! oh! Hold on a second! Hold. Doubling uh, down! I'm going like, flip some phone. tables. What?! You just got Teresa what Judas on our... I don't... With the stupid f***ing Muppet voices oh, in that man. song. Oh, my God. The what awful- is that? How are you the same person who was here before? This is such a massive curveball. I feel betrayed. I have you a have sing You lied to us. Oh, sorry. Holy I geez. broke your ear. Headphones in, Teresa. I did not. I did not lie for one second. In the last episode, we were supposed to talk about our favorite Weezer song. Yeah. And El Scorcho, as a song, is a great freaking song. It's really catchy, and it's relatable, and it's interesting, and from the moment you hear it, you want to sing along with it. However, the production, the way they go about performing the song, the stupid Muppet voices, the bad falsettos, Teresa the loves sing-along Muppets, pieces you where you, you're it's supposed to sound like somewhere a between a harmony and a barroom singing, oh, piss me off to no end, and I think the song is much better when somebody else sings it. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I love the fact that this was your choice for both good and bad. I want to roll with this. I want to hear what you have to say. You SOB. You SOB. I don't don't think I can ever be friends with you again. That is (laughs) not true. I don't believe you. You're too kind of a person. You're such a sweetie McSweeterson. It's going to work out. You're very Irish, evidently. (laughs) So I I fought with this, with, with this song. I went, kept going back and forth on it, and I was like, God, I love this song. Should we it's do so a sing-along good. for this again? <laughs> <laughs> El Scorcho! What, what yeah. is it? The, there's a Muppet voice throughout the entire song. Yeah. Fun. It's so annoying. It kills me every time I hear it. And when I think about it's it's funny. In one of the articles I was reading, they refer to this as sort of like a, a, a an unusual pop song for Weezer. And I right. actually think that that's incorrect. I think this is full-blown Weezer. This is Weezer going like right over the edge of Weezer and this doing everything. This is Weezer everything dialed that... up to 11. Exactly. I think this is everything Weezer does as a band. And as I stated earlier, I don't like Weezer as a band. Okay. I like the music that Weezer writes. I don't like them as a band. So I listen to this song by other artists, and I'll give you one, one example of this. And I'm going to preface this by saying that I in no way endorse this other artist. Sure. Um, but I listened to a version of Dashboard Confessionals playing El Scorcho. Yeah. And they remove all of the crap I don't like. There's yeah. no Muppet voices. The singing is all is not pitchy, which Rivers Cuomo is super pitchy on this mm-hmm. song. Sure, sure. Um, the 
the barroom singing portions are actually, they still have a bounciness to them. It's not smooth. It's still got some jangliness to it, but there are actual vocal harmonies in it that you can pick apart and you can hear the different vocal harmonies and it gives it some lift and it still has the same energy and the same message. And I was like, here it is. I really love this song. I f***ing hate this version of it. <laughs> so that that's how I ended up at the, the conclusion. Now, the more complicated piece of my relationship with Weezer is that I later realized, and what we could talk about more of this with the ugly, is that the songs that I like the most with Weezer usually exhibit this type of stuff. So when they're doing songs where they don't exhibit the pitchiness and the weird idiosyncrasies, I find the music boring. Mm. Okay. But when they dial it up to 11, I love the song, but I hate Weezer performing. I'm so confused about what you just said. I wish that this were a video podcast because she's doing so many things. Your body language is my facial expressions probably change your hand you got a lot of hand motion because i'm so confused what you just said you were like i hate these songs but if you take away the things that i hate i don't like the song but i I love that but i love it but i hate it and it's like no no no. so okay are you guys gonna fight are you guys gonna fight like i can't (laughs) (laughs) okay so but you could understand like there there are in the world there are um amazing songwriters who are not amazing performers yes yeah oh yeah billy corgan Billy Corgan. I'm going to throw him out there. Absolutely. Billy Corgan's an example. And I think that Weezer, while while they have the ability to to have a good performance, overall, it's it's just not in my wheelhouse. Like, I just don't particularly like it. I want to hear a rock and roll voice, but I don't want that rock and roll voice to go pitchy. It drives me nuts. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to hear vocal harmonies, but their vocal harmonies are pitchy, and half the time they just do, like, a vocal doubling and then add some weird harmony that's not quite in sync with it. It's part of their style. They were well aware of it when they released all this stuff. It's part of what their fans like about them. It's signature. That's wonderful. A lot of artists have signature. I just don't like theirs. But I do believe that that he's a great writer. He writes great melodies. But the thing is... Katie. Katie, that wasn't even a word. <laughs> well, I, I, has, I believe that he has... My reaction to it was before Josh said great melodies. He has the ability to write really good lyrics. He doesn't always... Make that choice. Make that choice. I agree with you. Um, but what I was saying that the other piece, though, is when I listen to their whole catalog, I find the songs that I feel are the best written melodically and their most interesting songs are usually paired with the worst performances. Okay. Um, and the songs that where the performances, I think, are fine, where the, the vocals are not pitchy, the harmonies are fine, the production sounds really good, are boring songs that I'm really not interested in. Can you think of an example of one of those boring songs? Or are um, they too boring to remember? No, I mean, I, I actually... I'd have to think a, bit, a little bit about okay. that because they were boring enough that I, we were discussing earlier that Brad and I are both of the the type of music listener where, you know, if we get 20, 30 seconds into a song and it's not interesting, we move on. Sure. Um, so I think I've done that to a lot of those songs where I start listening mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, that, that, he's, he's on on target and it's this is this sounds good and it's got some rock to it and and this is totally boring and he sounds like a bad b-sides of fountains of wayne and i'm moving on yeah interesting so i think at their worst at their worst they sound like a bad wet fountains of wayne okay lyrically you're not opposed to this song uh, no i'm not it's I, I more think like there are a couple of moments within it that i'm that i'm like eh, whatever yeah. um you know the i'll bring home the turkey you bring home the bacon fine whatever. i do love that line it's it's catchy as all hell yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. mean anything right um and he's got those you know the you've got this uh again it's this really 
I sort of enjoy the fact that it's this song that I can really identify with. I find it really relatable. But then he threw in this like Harvard stuff out of nowhere. And then this line about WWE wrestling and ECW wrestling. Get it right, bro. Get it right. But I'm kind of like, I really like this. And at the same time, stop it. You're being a (laughs) douchebag. Like, you know, I'm I'm right on the right in the middle on those two lines. Josh just said in one sentence what I have felt so many times this week while listening to Weezer. Not this song. I, I can't say I agree with you on this song, but that sentiment of stop it now, you're just being a douchebag. I have felt so many times listening to just Weezer at random on shuffle to Look rediscover how mad some things I don't normally Teresa listen to. Is right now. I'm trying not to express my I anger. I have never in, seen in her. She's smiling a lot. This mad in all the years that we've known her. I mean, feel free to bring it on. I didn't walk in with I knew coming in the door that I was going to do this before the first episode. Yeah, uh, and knew that it would be a divisive statement. So feel free. To I know. In listening to what you were saying, I can understand feeling that way about a musician. Where you say, "I like what you write. I like it performed by someone else better." Um, yeah. As much as I love Carol King in so many ways, I like. Um, uh, oh God, the friend one. You've got a friend. That's, you've got a friend. Yeah, there, James you've Taylor. got a friend. I like it better when it's covered by James Taylor. Agreed. I prefer it that way. Yeah. I, mean, I challenge you to listen to the original version of Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Exactly. Right? That is the yeah. perfect yeah. example. So right it happens. There. Like I can understand feeling that way. I just I I feel like you tricked me. I feel this and way. And I can never trust you again. Ever. Because, you know, you brought so much joy into my heart when we first discussed El Scorcho. I was, like, dancing and celebrating. I, I feel was the there same. any statement I made in the first no, no, one no. that I'm, doesn't still hold Yeah, I'm not true. saying it's hypocritical. <laughs> I just, it's very, it, to me, it's for my own music, musical taste and the way I listen to music. If I love a song, I can't hate it, too, or dislike it, too. Like I, it's like I. That's that's how I feel. It's like I. This is a song I love. I love it. I get what you're saying. It just confuses me. Josh, are you saying it's complicated? Oh, that's wow. Ooh, Ooh touche, touche, Valente. You know what? Um, I gotta say, I agree with you, especially when it comes to a lot of like Bob Dylan songs. Yeah, I, performed by other I people. would rather listen to other people perform Bob Dylan or like you were saying Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. You know, like it. It's Something about their either production or just their voice that I would rather hear somebody else do it. Like I was saying Billy Corrigan before. You know, I don't ever want to hear him sing Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) What's interesting about like Rivers Cuomo is like, the the off key piece the, the 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 pitchiness to his voice is actually what makes his voice unique. Yeah, because when that's he's part not, of his charm. When he's not doing that, yeah, he's when he's singing like a rocker without the pitchiness, he sounds like Butch Walker. When he's singing, which obviously that wouldn't have been an influence for him, but like it's in the right. same like place for me. When and they work singing, together now. They right. do. Yeah. When he's singing, um, in, in sort of a smooth voice. Um, you know, I really, he does, he just sounds like anyone. Like there's, there's nothing unique about yeah. his voice at all. And he has like, at, at least in the, the stuff that I've listened to, he has like no real range. What gets really interesting when he goes out of key, when he goes into falsetto, he sucks at a falsetto, but he's going for the right production. 
Listen to Hashpipe. You'll he's, hear that yeah. exact same thing. And he's yeah. going for it's it's right for the song. Like it's absolutely right for the song, and that's why it's a great song. It's just that he's not nailing it in the way that I listen to it. Gotcha. So it's like, yes, like this part here should be a falsetto. You heard that song like perfectly and you arranged it in your head in a way that's absolutely perfect. I just wish you could fucking sing it. I think also <laughs> when I hear the way he sings though, it's like an everyman voice. Not every guy's gonna be able to hit that. And so that's why he gets so many fans. Uh, who are these, you know, teens, t- early 20s, whatever people, nerd rock kind of thing where it's like, it's not perfect. It's scream along and stand at a show and celebrate and have fun. And who cares if it's not right? It's not really supposed to always be right. I do think that this pitchiness that Josh is talking about is part of like Weezer's appeal to like their the fan base. Charm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no not, question. Not for Josh is ultimately yeah. what no, he's saying fine. is like, yeah, I'm not part of that mm-hmm. fan base because I don't like the same thing that Weezer fans like about yeah. Weezer. Well, I mean, just because your name is Josh, this is the person whose name has... But Josh Groban, the singer, will never be pitchy. He's got a perfect everything. And it bores A perfect sense of humor, so too. much. Mm-hmm. It is so dull. It's like, maybe don't be perfect. I think that Josh Groban... Well, he needs to be perfect because that's his genre and that's what he does. But right. like, that's this genre is imperfection. But the is, thing is... I garage rock, like, it doesn't have to be a perfect harmony. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm arguing. This is that's your also feeling. kind of part This of is about. your heart and what your feeling this is. This is, is. About. This is your heart and what your feeling Teresa, is. Teresa, you know what we do here is <laughs> argue, know, right? I know, but I just... I don't... <laughs> this is, is like, your heart and what you argue is. I know what I say what you argue? Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> Put this glass I, down. I don't, I don't mind when somebody goes to hit odd note and they hit it a little bit off because it's a re- because it's a reach note. Like God knows I've done it a million and a half times and I, I don't even mind that stylistically if somebody's going to do that from time to time. I, he's just he just overuses it in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an overuse of this specific mm-hmm. stylistic tool, and then it's not just that tool, right? Because it's that tool, and then it's the the off key harmonies, which they love doing that. They love he yeah. loves as from a production standpoint. That's a very love, like signature Weezer move. Off key harmonies and doubling doubling or tripling on existing vocal parts, and then having like an off key harmony somewhere off to the side, and doing weird falsetto voices in the background um and having sort of jangly changes that that sort of fit sort of don't like this is a lot of like what he does stylistically in in terms of how he hears a song and that's great i just don't like it yeah i wish i could get my head out of the sand because i think we'd make a good team and you would keep my fingernails clean but that's just I think we should do my song next. Oh boy. Right. Okay. Are you are you ready to Songs? Well, no. Oh my song. Excuse me. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've said songs because I have to mention two, but I, the reason I'm cutting it to say I think we should do my next is cuz it kind of fits in with what Josh is saying here. So I love El Scorcho. I promise you I'm not also pulling a bait and switch. I promise you. <laughs> I really I'm just going to storm out this room. <laughs> <laughs> I love El Scorcho and it is the one time and I really think the one and only time in a Weezer song where I love the quirkiness the off key the pitchy vocals the weird Muppet voice I'm in for all of it and every other Weezer song where that is in the spotlight I don't care for it at all so I'll tell you that my number two song the the one that I didn't pick was Hashpipe I hate that song 
I hate it because it's not lyrical. I cannot stand the sound of it. But the one that I dislike more, which was brought up in the good, but wasn't one of our good choices, is Beverly Hills. I, mm-hmm. That was my number two. That was ah. my runner up. That was my absolute runner up. Hashpipe, I will say, I, I find it catchy as hell. Uh, yeah. I think that's its selling point is that the hook is catchy as hell. I had to realize with Hashpipe, it was more an emotional reaction than a pragmatic reaction. I remember going to buy the Green Album on the day that it came out. And I went to a Best Buy in Maryland. I was in college. And I had to get find someone to drive me there because I didn't have a car. And I was so You don't so have excited. to justify it. We um, get it. I was I had to find no I like really <laughs> How, wanted what she wanted it. I yeah. wanted it so badly and and I was with other friends who were excited to get the album and we got in the car and we started listening to it and it was when I heard Hashpipe that I realized I was not going to love the album. Yeah. Mm. No I mean and there are songs on that album that I like. It's not that I don't like the album, but I think we all remember from the last episode that I have like a really intense love of the Blue album. So I experienced a lot of disappointment with the green one. And Pinkerton was never on my radar. It was something where I I came to hear some of those songs later. So Hashpipe has all that like disappointment Mm -hmm. with it for me. But Beverly Hills, I cannot stand the like stupid weird voice in that song. Living that background like weird noise. Gimme, gimme. That's where I want to be. I don't oh even boy. know what the words are. It's I. It's so irritating. Yeah. I don't care what the rest of the song says. I hate it. And then I think about it, and I really don't like the message of the oh, song. Yeah, either. yeah. Either I just think it's stupid. So I guess I should say the facts of the song before mm-hmm. I get too Go wrapped up it. in it. Um, it came out in May of two thousand five. It did hit number twenty. This was two thousand and five. Really, I mm-hmm. thought it was more. They took a hiatus. More recent? Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, man. Time has it's just that, like, slipped away from me. It's that red album, me. isn't it? <laughs> no, um, Make Believe. Oh, it Make, was Believe, on Make Believe. Excuse me. Which is an album I bought, and the only two songs that I enjoyed off of this were this one, despite its flaws, okay. which I fully recognize, and Typical Situation. I don't know that song. Uh, it was a single. It didn't really do too well. I don't have the figures in front of me, but it was... Pretty good at best. Um, the entire album was a disappointment for mm, me. So. Yeah. But anyway, give us give us your facts. So it came out in May 2005. It peaked at number 26 on the mainstream rock charts, where it was for 12 weeks on, the, on that particular chart. And it debuted at number 25 on the Hot 100. And it peaked at number 10. It was the first Weezer song to get into the top 10 on the Hot 100. Really? I've got two songs that are first by accident. Look at that. When, no, I'm sorry, I'm trying, oh, Rivers Cuomo said about the song, or said about writing the song, it came from the feeling that he could live in Beverly Hills, sure, but I just couldn't belong there. And it may be something that's akin to irony. It's like the same reasons that I love the sweater song, that feeling of being an outsider and and wanting to fit in, are the exact same reasons I don't like this song. Because there's something about the sweater song that's so genuine and heartfelt and also super poetic in the writing that when I look at this even though it's the same kind of person experiencing the same kind of feeling 
I'm like, this is so insincere and icky, and I don't. Icky. Well, is that like his it. statement about Beverly Hills? That well, it's is like so. Is is he doing it on purpose? Of course he is. Absolutely. I mean, you're not. You ha- if you're not listening to the song, if you don't know that he's making fun of Beverly Hills, I get that. Like the insincerity of what Beverly Hills is is obviously what he thinks he's pointing out in the song. But even the other side of it feels insincere to me. And so I just I just really don't like the song. Is, Can it, too, I, is it too humble braggy? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm just like not cool enough. But because also, Rivers Cuomo was in a hipster 2005, cool. 11 a years after the Blue Album came out, when he's a super successful, famous musician, get the F out of my face. Um. Can I can I roll through some of these lyrics yeah. from this song? Yeah. Uh, the first one that stands out of me is the second line of the song. My automobile is a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. That is doubtful. Bad songwriting. Yeah, it's like here I am. This guy's not buying a 1999 Hyundai Elantra. I'm. Like, we're supposed to believe that Rivers Cuomo in Drives 2005 is driving a shitty car. My fashion sense is a little whack. Okay, you have a stylist. Like, you have a marketing team and a publicist. You've had your legs elongated. (laughs) You have public relations folks who are helping you to cultivate your image. You, at this point, are making the conscious choice to have uh, a fashion sense that's whack in order to be like, I'm kooky, I'm different. That's not the same thing as, like, not being cool enough anymore. Right. So... Are we positive that he is talking about this in in the um, like current sense, like that he's talking about himself right now, or could it be him going back to who he was when he first got there, like looking around at everything, like look, I made all this money in the Blue Album, but uh, I'm going to say really he's fit here. I'm going to say he's disassociated from that at this point. You know, that was 11 years prior. It's still a part of your life that would influence the way that you write. I don't even remember what I was like 11 years ago. I'm going to say that it doesn't matter because I'm going to look at it from a literary perspective. So I'm going to take Rivers Cuomo out of the equation altogether. Mm -hmm. The speaker in the piece who doesn't have to be the writer, who doesn't have to be Rivers Cuomo, is obviously a person who has come into some success and is struggling to kind of cope with that success and find his place in it. Okay. And the way the speaker communicates that discontent is supposed to be satirical and making fun of this other group of stereotypical rich people, and it just comes across as obnoxious to me. He says, preppy girls never looked at me. This makes me feel like he was just watching a bunch of like 90s mm-hmm. teen movies and trying to... like. I find it really hard to relate to the person who's like, I just want to be a part of Beverly Hills, but I'll never fit in there. None of the like, preppy, gr- preppy oh my girls. gosh, please Look talk to me. me more about your problems. Well, wait, because where are you? I'm just reading through the lyrics on it. Where are you grabbing from this that he can, like that he can afford to that the, the the protagonist can afford to live in Beverly Hills and is choosing not to because. I'm not seeing that anywhere in the lyrics. What I'm seeing in the lyrics is that I would like to live in Beverly Hills, but I can't for all of these reasons, but that would be awesome if I could. So to me, this is written as an everyman. I guess. I don't know. I still don't care for it. Which is is totally fine. I'm just, I hear a different perspective in this because I I, I guess I also, I, I was, 
I, I listen to this song and I think of this song as just a pure pop song. Right. Like nothing else. It's just a pure, to me, it's just a pure pop song with not a whole lot else, like not a whole lot more depth to it in the, the way that you're talking about other stuff. Maybe I'm missing something or I'm not the, the listener, but. I also think it kind of fails as a pop song, too. It's well, like just shy of being catchy enough to be a pop song. Well, it did pretty well. Yeah, it I sure did. I do have to concede to Josh's challenge here. Maybe to make my point, I can't disassociate Rivers Cuomo from it. Yeah, because if it's not autobiographical, then... Then it could just be a man who man. wants to live a greater life that's mm-hmm. never going to belong there. But then, because I'm not saying I'm wrong, I can come right back to the writer who did say it was about him, and he was a rich man, and he could live in Beverly Hills, but he would never belong there. So... There it is. Yeah, he said, like I said, to Rolling Stone, Rivers Cuomo said, quote, I could live in Beverly Hills, sure, but I couldn't belong there. And that was in a response to a question about this particular song and the writing of it. So he's saying, I could afford to live there, but I couldn't like emotionally belong there. I think this is just a sign that it's the same person that wrote the sweater song. It's somebody who's always going to feel on the outside. It's just now he's on the outside of something different that is harder for the everyman that he is, you know, his fans are for yeah. them to really relate to. But it doesn't mean that it's it's the same exact feeling of, it's I don't so, fit. like fake and icky and insincere it is good charlotte's uh lifestyles of the rich and famous like i'm just a kooky weirdo and i'm not gonna belong there and it's it's not the same playing to the lowest common denominator making like the most obvious associations and the sweater song don't compare this to the sweater song that song is beautiful and poetic and raw and weird and not commercial at all, even though it was a commercial success. And so honest. And even if this is the same guy, it's not communicated in the same way. And I'm not saying everybody else has to hate it, but I'm saying it does not work for me. For me, it is the bad. Because I, I, it's the song, especially the sweater song, is so personal for you that it's like this should have that same feeling and it doesn't for you. And so that, I think, leads you to the... The hatred. And I the stupid voice, though. Brad, <laughs> not Brad. Josh, I'm with you. 9,000. You have to, you have to 9, get us straight. I do this all the time. Every once in a while, you're going to need to get Josh and I straight. <laughs> you're going to need to get... Every once in a while, you're going to need to figure out who is Josh and who is Brad. I think I know when it really counts. All right. Oh, Pop quiz, um, who's your husband? Yeah. Brad. <laughs> um... Can I point out the lyric that I hate for, like, kind of apropos of nothing? Uh, when the housemaids scrub the floors, yeah. they get the spaces in between. I hate that line. Yeah. I can't put my finger on why. I think it's for the legally blonde reason. Of, Maybe. You know, Are we the, just, the maid is doing the work. And that song is still Kate trapped stop, in my brain. Kate, stop chewing your gum. You look like a maid. Maybe. Just feels, I don't know, it feels icky. So, if you enjoy the song, good for you. Go in peace, but I Go in peace. really Well, you don't feeling like icky it. about that line is him feeling icky about the people in Beverly Hills. Teresa's going to double down every time. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, it doesn't work for I me. I don't like, like this song. I'll agree. Oh, it's not wow. one. Of, no, this Whoa. isn't one of my songs that it's I like. It's a Weezer song that you don't like? Yeah. Why are you defending it so hard then? Because I, cause I'm looking at it legitimately, like legitimate. I'm looking at it like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to step you, away. Katie. 
No, I don't mean it like that. What I mean is like I'm I'm just trying to understand. I'm like if it has the same kind of feeling, where is this coming from? Where is this dislike? For me, the dislike is I, I definitely link it to the video, which I think is gross. It's to the, the, Playboy, the Mansion. Playboy Mansion. I just think that's disgusting. And I know they're trying to make fun of that life, but you're still buying into that life and portraying it to everybody who's yeah. watching the video. You know what it's like to me? Um, the Offspring song we did. Oh, uh, the uh, Beatles song that the offspring. Why don't did. you get a job? Yeah, yeah, it's got that same kind of feel to it, where it's trying to be satirical and it just doesn't quite work. Right, and you the the singer just looks like an idiot. Yeah, if me. satire doesn't work, it just looks like crazy, horrible things. He's a hipster. He's like, yeah, I don't believe you didn't get that. I meant that ironically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was in those sweaters in 1994, so he was a hipster before it was cool. True that. Kurt Cobain wore it first. That's true. Touche. Where I come from isn't all that great. My automobile is a piece of crap. My fashion sense is a little whack. And my friends are just as screwy as me. I didn't go to boarding schools. Preppy girls never looked at me. Why should they? I ain't nobody got nothing in my pocket. Teresa, can we move on to your song here? Open up my little... My little notebook. Have here. you found a Weezer song that you yeah. don't care for? I, as I said before, I was like, I chose a song that I'm like, nah, I'll skip it. And um, the song that I chose is actually the most licensed track in their catalog, uh, used like everywhere, and it is "Island in the Sun." I picked the exact oh, same goddamn song. I just, I don't really like it. It was released uh, August 28, 2001. It was the second single from the Green album. Um, Guys, I am never going to pick a song for this series. You, you. <laughs> I think Can that's I an example, something? though, of a song where like the performance is fine. Like, there's not a whole bunch of wacky voices and weird harmonies, mm-hmm. and it's just boring. Yeah, I almost picked Island in the Sun. Um, <laughs> you almost picked the same one. Mm-hmm. That is the most mediocre Weezer single I have ever heard right. in my life. So one quote that I got that I loved is from Emily Tarantella, uh, Tartanella, I don't know, of uh, Magnet Magazine. And she says, it's the most overrated Weezer song. It should be retired from commercials. It's so laid back. It's pra- practically catatonic. Yeah. Uh, can I just uh, add on yeah, to that? please. Pitchfork Magazine called the Green Album, quote, average from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Rivers said this record, oh, you're talking about the Green Album, this record is purely musical. There's no feeling. There's no emotion. Yeah, that no is, shit. That is how I feel about this song, about the Green Album. I'm like, nah, it's not fine. There are a handful of songs on this album that I really wanted to like. Yeah, uh, there's I, a lot like, of it. Yeah, from the opening track, which was called, like, Don't Let Go, through, like... Oh, right, that one? Yeah. Yeah. Don't Let Go. Yeah. Hashpipe. Hashpipe I like probably more than a lot of the other songs on this album. Photograph is another one that I really wanted to like, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I do feel like it is, like Katie was saying, like, it's trying to be more Weezer than it is. Yeah. You know? So... I just don't buy it. And the fact that he said there's no emotion in that album, it just kind of validates everything I felt about it when I Uh, bought it. Again, this album was uh, produced by one of my favorites, Rick Ocasek. Um, This song... Oh, Teresa, am I jumping all over your notes? No, you go for it, because right now I'm looking at Island in the Sun lyrics, because to be honest, I never even looked them up, because I was like, I just don't really... Um, The song does nothing. So this this song was not supposed to be included on the album... But Rick Ocasek fought for its inclusion 
And like Teresa said, it has become the most licensed Weezer song of all time, uh, to which Rivers Cuomo attributes to the fact that it doesn't have those like dirty, nasty guitars. It's like a very clean guitar sound, and he thinks that's more palatable to the mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you could easily put the song in the background of a scene or in a commercial, yeah. but I don't know if that's a compliment. No, mm-hmm. it's 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 boring. It's just it's vanilla. Yeah, it's there. It's you're like, oh, they're going on vacation. We're going to hear this song. All right, fine. It, it doesn't you don't. It, I don't know. It just has no feeling, no depth. It's very superficial. I skip past it when Josh, it comes Josh, is this on. one of the ones you were talking about when you were talking about their meh songs? Well, yeah, it's, it, well, it's an example of that, right? Like, they don't do any of the things that make their other songs interesting, particularly if they were performed by somebody else. Um, and it, And I think when they remove that stuff, it just becomes very bland. I think there's actually a lot of songs where they fit the same sort of groove where it's it's like this is just boring like you're not doing these things that i don't i don't particularly like but at least make a song interesting yeah um and therefore it's just you just sound like eh. yeah mm. so uh this song went to number 33 on the billboard atop uh, uh, top <laughs> went to number 33 on the billboard adult top 40 uh went to number 11 on the billboard modern rock tracks making it much more successful than so many of their other hit songs yeah. that have become iconic over the years. Uh, and I think that this song is dull. I think its biggest problem is that it's dull. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there anything lyrically you don't no, like about it? I was just looking at the lyrics. I'm like, I have no feelings about I, these lyrics. Uh, I don't care for the hip hip. Yeah. Ooh, uh, agree. I think the lyrics are otherwise just like pablum. Yeah. You know, this is just drivel, basically. like just Pablum? Uh, dribble. Oh, that's a word. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) when you're on a golden sea, you don't need no memory. Come on. What is that? It's so trite. I'm looking at the lyrics now because I know I don't really, I have totally neutral feelings for this song. I'm just like, whatever. Um, so I never really thought about the lyrics and I'm looking at them now. There is just nothing to them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's in that, like. I am picturing someone on a raft in a very calm ocean, not in danger or in trouble at all, just sort of slightly bobbing along. And it's that kind of feeling of nothing is happening is how I feel about this. I mean, he was, they were coming off, like he poured his heart out on Pinkerton yeah. and got smacked in the face. Oh, Josh yeah. is going to make a good argument right now. And then he came that back. That doesn't mean we should forgive. No, but Go like, on, they Josh. came back with this album and he was like, all right, well, we're going to give it the same name. We're going to give it the same exact album cover. Yep. Um, pulling his, you know, his Let's George Foreman naming back. scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be like the rebirth of Weezer. We'll give you more of what you had before. You seem to like that. Right. But his heart just wasn't really in it because he's like, well, last time I came and poured my heart out, you smacked me in the face. So hmm. fine. Here's- it's a rebound relationship. Does Rivers Cuomo come off as like a, an ultra sensitive yeah. artist? Yes. Like, yeah. yes. Okay, good. He, so in between these, al- I think it was in between Pinkerton and the Green Album that he painted all the walls in his house black yep. and yeah. put stuff over his fiberglass, windows, fiberglass yeah. over his windows. I hope he's getting um, help. This is sad. Well, apparently he's uh, what you call it. He he went to meditation. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yes, he was on Pete Holmes, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, he, he was. was like big into meditation. He went back to like his days living in the ashram. But, yeah, but I know. I, I think, totally I agree this... with what you're saying. It's like I put everything I had into Pinkerton and I got 
totally made fun of and and everyone hated it and they like you said smacked me in the face for it so you know what i, I heard i have no source for this right now i'm okay, sorry it's a lie me. but um i i heard him say like talking about how he was trying to find a formula for music listening to all the pop songs he could and break it down and try to mathematically figure out all right what exactly do i have to have in here how much you know this or that to get people to just like it and so that's what this whole album feels like to me. It's like I'm he just filling desperately in the blanks. wants to be like yes. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's like Rivers Cuomo's like Achilles heel. Achilles heel is that well, it's the combination, right? Is he's got this um, these conflicting diametrically opposed urges to be an artist's artist and also to be liked by everyone. Mm. He's like, I want to create music for the sake of music. I want to create music that is you know, truly artistic and intellectual, but mm-hmm. I want everybody to like it. Yeah. Um, evidently, Melissa Bobbitt of About.com, she said it, quote, exemplified a relaxed Southern California spirit. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go to Southern California. Right? Yeah, like I've been to Southern California. I did not find this song to be... The feeling? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Jack Johnson took this song and ran with it. Sure. Jack Johnson wrote wrote 5,000 songs that sound exactly like this song. Yeah, but he's not Southern California. He's Hawaii. Hawaii. I want to say that maybe the the story that we're weaving together here, bear with me. Yeah. This is hard for me to say. Almost also justifies Beverly Hills. I don't like the song. I don't take back anything that I said. I want you to further explain this. Because... Okay, you write Pinkerton, you pour your heart out. It is, at least at that time, a failure. You take some time off. You write the Green Album. You yourself, Rivers Cuomo, say that it's just about the music. There is no emotion in it. And it's another success. Yeah. And then you come out not too long after that. You know, it's really just a few years. And you've got a song, Beverly Hills, that's kind of mocking and making fun of um, the Beverly Hills culture in a very formulaic, to me, boring, unacceptable pop yeah. way. So that is the journey the man is on. The journey. But is, at this point, is this when he starts releasing his solo albums? Oh, I don't know. His alone albums. Alone, yeah. One, two, and three. He doesn't yeah. like naming albums. <laughs> <laughs> He's got, what has he got? He's got uh, blue, green, red, white, white yeah. black, and then alone one, two, and three. It's maladroit. Ratitude and make believe. Yeah, he's only actually he's only ever come out. He's got like fifteen albums, and he's only ever come up with four names. Um, one but, of which was Ratitude. <laughs> yeah. That is the worst. That's the argument for not coming up with names. Yeah, but I wonder. Like, I didn't listen to any of his solo stuff, and I, the part of me wonders if at a certain point he just drew a line down the middle and was like, "This is where my heart and soul goes, and this is where." And like, you want the commercial stuff? Fine. Here's the commercial. Well, that's stuff. what it feels like in a way because after the Blue Album and Pinkerton. Everything else that's Weezer after this point doesn't, even though there are things that I like, doesn't have the same kind of emotional connection that either of those two albums might have. Even El Scorcho, which is decidedly a silly song, still has like a a sincerity to it that I don't find in the rest of their music after that point. Despite what Josh says about El Scorcho. Well, Josh never said that El Scorcho Uh, was insincere. All right. Cool. Do we have any? Do we have any uh, uh, further thoughts on uh, Weezer's mediocre? I want to know of these. Well, no, because we know we would all listen to El Scorcho. Yeah, a million so times of Beverly Hills and Island in the Sun. Which would you be more likely to leave on? 
Josh? Beverly Hills. Teresa? Uh, I think even though I was the one that said I don't like it, Island in the Sun because I can ignore it. Whereas Beverly Hills, I don't like it. And I know like it, like it, I, I have more strong feelings towards not mm. liking it. I guess. That she didn't share with us here today because she preferred to argue with me. <laughs> uh, Katie? Island in the Sun because I can just tune it out. I would go uh, Beverly Hills. Oh, well, it's tied. Beverly would... Hills has the cool riff in it. Yeah. No, I, would, I don't play I would... the guitar. That's true. That's a good guitar riff. <laughs> I can't ignore the parts of it that really irritate me, so I'd rather leave on the song that just fades, fades into the background. A lot of a lot of Weezer's guitar solos just kind of echo the melody of the song in a want 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 kind of sound. Not specifically, <laughs> but there are times where the want 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 comes in there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I I can just be I can be influenced heavily by a good arrangement and good production. Yeah. And so, like, to me, Beverly Hills is a well-produced pop single. It doesn't proclaim to be anything else. That's it Rick Rubin right there produced yeah, that one, yeah. It, it, it's not trying to be anything else in the world. All it is trying to be is a good pop song, and it succeeds spectacularly in that it was a number one, it was their first number one hit, and it's it's catchy. And even if you don't, I mean, you don't mm-hmm. like the song, yeah, but you know fine. the riff. I mean, Oh, how, absolutely. Like, you know, how many songs that you dislike do you know the riff for? You it's know? catchy as all get out, but I, as a listener... And lyrics first, vocal second, music third. So you could see how this just wouldn't do it for me. Again. All right. Well, I guess that settles that then. We've Today. managed to get through this one as as friends, I We're think. <laughs> Is everybody still friends? Is everybody still down to come back? <laughs> I don't know. Josh, Josh and I are on the edge again. right now. So I don't know what's going to happen when we get to episode number oh, three. Boy. If he brings up El Scorcho again. I might, <laughs> I might take one of those pots that's hanging above his head and just no, I'm just How many? Maybe. I don't think I could take El Scorcho any further down. Oh. You're absolutely right. All right, so with that, I guess we will wrap this one up again. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, song suggestions, please shoot us an email. We are at decompositionpod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at decomp underscore pod, Facebook and Instagram, Decomposition Podcast. Katie, am I forgetting anything here? Nope. Uh, Guys, we are about to get our Patreon started, so be on the lookout. I'm sure we will be happy to keep you posted on that. But in the meantime, thank you guys for listening, and you just chill till the next episode you tricky bastard